0: Welcome to another episode of the JWJ Podcast. I'm Shane Thomas, joined by my shooter on the wing, my main man, Mr. James Washington.
1: What's going on, peeps?
0: So we're recording this podcast at 1.36 Saturday morning. Uh, For those of you that watched, um, Golden State defeated Boston in game four, 107-97. Steph Curry had 43 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists. Uh, and further solidified himself as the favorite for finals MVP if Golden State pulls this off. So, um, you know, we're about to talk about that and um, let's get right into it. So uh, James, what were your thoughts on game one?
1: I'm going to need Boston to learn how to hold a lead first and foremost. Uh, Boston was up at the half and came out looking completely different in the second. I, I don't know what's going on, but it just seems like there's way too many question marks right now to be this late in the season, this late in the postseason, and it it's it's not looking very good.
0: Yeah, it just seems like like with Boston, it just seems like there's it's like a tale of it's like a tale of two teams. It's like when they're when they're moving the ball and and hitting shots and and playing defense, they're really good, and then there's other times where the ball sticks and they don't. You know, guys are standing around, and then you know, they play, they play really good defense, but then when the offense kind of dips, it seems like they're not really able to kind of finish off games how they want to. Cause I mean, they, they, they led at the half, I believe. And then in the second half, I mean, they got outscored what 58, 43 in the second half and just didn't, you know, they stopped making shots. Uh, Jason Tatum, I think went one for five in the fourth uh, and just, just kind of went quiet there. So, um, you know, for Boston to be on their home court, and not, you know, and not kind of finish this game off and put their stamp on it and go up 3-1. Like they said, after the game, you know, being down 3-1 as opposed to it being 2-2, that's a major difference.
1: Yeah, man, it's going off of what you're saying. Um, Tatum definitely was not impressive, you know, to, to close out the game. And a big part of the problem on top of all of that is Boston only went three deep on that bench tonight. And between those three guys combined, you know, we had a uh, Pritchard Williams and, um, and Derek White, they only combined for 20 points and Derek White accounted for 16 of those. So it, a, a big problem that we're seeing when they're going up against a team like Golden State, Golden State doesn't go very far into their bench either. I think they only played four guys off the bench tonight as well, but if you're going to do this in your Boston, you're going to have to make sure that those first five guys show up. And a big part of that, what I really wanted to look at was the fact that anybody that thought that they were going to get regular contributions similar to game one from Al Horford, ah, you get, you guys have lost those clovers because it, it that's not the case. We got 26 in game one combined in the last three cents. He's only accounted for 21 total. So it's it's going to be a problem moving forward because Tatum and Brown of course are your go-tos and anything outside of them is going to be very necessary and when it's as inconsistent as it's been from the rest of the Celtic roster it's not looking good for them at all
0: absolutely and I mean you look at I mean look at Marcus Smart I mean he's been he's been a wild card for them uh but You know, he had 18 points and five assists, had four rebounds. Uh, Typical kind of Marcus Smart game that we've come to kind of expect from him in the postseason. But, I mean, if you look at his plus-minus, I mean, he was minus 17. I mean, most of those guys were were in the minus. I want to say uh, Tatum, I think, what, Robert Williams had the best plus-minus at plus six. Uh, You know, Derek White off the bench, 16 points, but he was minus 19. So I mean those guys, you know when the ball is is not moving and guys are having to do some certain things, it's not it's not kind of conducive to how they want to play. When the ball's moving and you know Tatum is aggressive and making the right plays. I mean, last game, I think he had like nine assists, but he had he only had one turnover, I believe. Tonight he had six assists and six turnovers. And so you know when you're when you're kind of not getting the the pristine ball movement that you want, and then you know it kind of puts more more pressure on your offense to deliver with guys that maybe aren't as comfortable in that role. I believe so. Um, I agree with you with with Al Horford as well. I mean, at 36, you know, I, I don't think you can really expect him to be you know 26 point a game guy going forward. Um, but you you kind of want to know like, okay, I can I can depend on him for you know 15 to 18 here. And so far, like you said, you know, since that first game, he's only had 21 points. So right. I mean they they really have to they really have to kind of figure out where where those points are going to come from consistently, I believe.
1: Absolutely. And and going back to Horford again, I mean, you know, 15 to 18 would be lovely. You know, games two through four, I think two of those three games, he's scored in single digits. So it it's it, again, I say it's it's nothing to come off as negative, but if you're leaning, if you're putting your money in that hat. Uh, you might not want to put too much money into it, and also going back to Derek Williams, um, Derek Williams has definitely been a huge help for the team. But another problem there is if you're going to continue to play such a short roster, eventually these guys are going to wear themselves out. Uh, tonight, for example, Derek Williams played 36 minutes, which I mean he did bring what he needed to bring, but the problem with that he barely cracked 30 minutes in the first three games of this series. So he's going to wear down and you don't have much behind him to try to help out. I mean, Marcus smart did his, did what he needed to do. He he showed up uh, again, even he didn't bring the same sort of impact that he had brought earlier in the series. And <clears throat> once like I said, once Derek, once Derek white goes down, once he gets tired, who are you bringing in behind him? So Trying to keep such a short roster and expect the same output, it, it's not going to work very well because, I mean, these guys are human at the end of the day. They're going to get tired. So you have to make sure that you're giving the breaks, you're taking the time. And it, it just seems like a lot of the mistakes that Boston tends to make, a lot of them are coming from, I think, more of a mental fatigue than actual physical fatigue on the court.
0: Yeah, and I, and I mean, just just to piggyback off that point, I mean, Jason Tatum went one of five in the fourth, but he played the whole fourth quarter. Um, and like you said, that that lack of <clears throat> production off the bench, that lack of depth. I mean, we've seen that throughout the postseason. I mean, if you look at if you look at the Golden State Dallas series, you, I mean, go, you know with with Dwight Powell playing, you know, as as poorly as he was, I mean, Dallas essentially had a six man rotation you know they they couldn't play Dwight Powell much. They didn't have many guys off the off the bench that they brought in to play at center. So a lot of games they 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 may have played nine players, eight players, but in reality maybe what of those eight, you were probably getting nothing from two of those guys on a nightly basis. So it just goes to show you had more you had more minutes for Luka. You saw him wear down and I think you're starting to see that with Boston. I mean, you look at at Tatum, he played the whole shot eight of 23 and he went one of five in the fourth you play the whole fourth quarter that's just gonna wear you down and you know with I mean even Jalen Brown kind of kind of ran out of steam a little bit I mean he he was he was looking fresh for maybe you know most of the game I mean he went right at Draymond Green and um, you know we'll we'll talk more about Draymond in a second but you know with with the way with the way Boston likes to play it's like you know they they have to guys have to really kind of play above themselves in a way um, to kind of keep them in that, in that kind of, okay, like we can win this thing and we can be comfortable because even when they had leads, they couldn't really hold them just because golden state, especially in the second half got, got hot on offense. And then they, you know, as the game went on, Boston slowed down a lot.
1: Yeah. uh, Even you, you, you briefly touched on Draymond. And I mean, another big part with that too, I think, Another thing that Golden State has in their bag, another thing that they have to their advantage is kind of what I said before, is that if one man goes down, Golden State has so many guys on the roster that don't have a problem stepping up. I mean, this season, we've seen the emergence of a Jordan Poole, you know, while Clay was missing time. And now we're seeing much more important play from guys like Kevon Looney. I mean, we'll get into it a little bit later, but my goodness, did everybody pay attention to Andrew Wiggins tonight? Andrew Wiggins was a man possessed dude gave us 17 and 16. We're going to talk more about that in a minute as well. But when you have guys that know when to step up and not only know when, but they can actually step in and execute. It's one thing to know it's your time, but to come in and actually make it happen. That's why I think that golden State they, they, this, this, this is on lock at this point, in my opinion, because there's just so many guys on this roster that don't have a problem stepping up and they execute. Like I said, we've seen Jordan Poole. We're seeing Andrew Wiggins. Kevon Looney has been extremely valuable. And everybody wants to try to put so much of this blame on Draymond. These people sound like you're expecting Draymond to be that solid on both ends of the floor. I, I'm a Draymond guy. I respect his work ethic. But at the same time, I'm not expecting this guy to go out here and give me 20, 30 at night. It's it's all the defensive end that I want to see from him. And I think a big issue with Draymond in this series is Boston is getting into his head. Draymond is usually the master of the mind games. And I think that Boston is they're They're playing the game and playing it well. So once he sees that this isn't working the way he would expect it, it's slowly taking him out of it. And it's not an offensive thing. It's more of his forte. It's more on the defensive end.
0: Absolutely. I mean, if you look at his numbers tonight, I mean, he only had two points. He was one for seven. I mean, it it was a typical kind of Draymond game if you look at the other numbers. I mean, he had nine rebounds, eight assists, four steals, but he did have early foul trouble. He ended up with three fouls, so he didn't foul out. But if you look at the plus minus, I mean, they won this game by 10. He was even in the minutes he played. He was a zero in the plus minus. Um, you know, we were watching the game. and We were just looking like, man, they're going right at Draymond here. I mean, he was he was in some he was in some interesting situations where he got passes. I thought at times, sometimes he overpassed. It looked like he could have he could have maybe forced the issue a little bit. Um, I mean, he's he's, a, he's unselfish on, on the offensive side. He's not really looking to shoot the ball, maybe like he did maybe during their first championship run. Um, it's it's the other production, but I think uh, his defense, his leadership is important. But if they don't if he's not if they're going at him, and he's not maybe necessarily being that stopper on the defensive end uh, and not able to, you know, finish his opportunities on offense, even if he's not getting a lot of them. I think if, if he was scoring. Eight points instead of two, I mean, he's shooting, he's shooting under 30 percent in the series. I mean, it's it's you know, he has to he has to kind of take more advantage of the limited opportunities he gets while also like, you know, being the quarterback of that defense. And if he's going to be in foul trouble or guys are kind of cooking him, I mean, that's 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 going to be something to watch. But um, in terms of talking about guys stepping up, Kevon Looney, Andrew Wiggins with the double double with the 16 rebounds, Uh, Clay Thompson. I mean, he he was two of seven at the half and ended up, you know, he ended up with 13 points in the second half. I think he, I think he scored eight of those in the fourth. I mean, everybody's been talking about, Oh, they have a clay problem. It's like, well, I mean, he's just going to keep shooting. I mean, that's what he's out there to do. So that's his main impact. I mean, you see what Jordan Poole did his, his, his game is to shoot. And he, he went out and had what, 14 points in 20 minutes. That, that's the kind of production you want to see when a clay is struggling. Jordan Poole was kind of that guy that was the bridge between Clay's struggles and then Clay's breakout in the second half. So I think those those two guys were key as well as Wiggins doing his thing in his minutes as well.
1: Yeah, and, and when it comes to guys like Poole and guys like Clay, I don't even like to think that they have what you would consider a problem. Just with any other prolific shooter, you have slumps. And and that's that's ne- that, that's going to happen. That's inevitable. And, you know, what I always learned is if you're a shooter, what you're going to do, you're going to shoot till you miss. And then what are you going to do after that? You're going to shoot till you start hitting again. That's the only way you get back into your rhythm. You can't get in your own head. You can't let those kind of things mess you up. So it was good to see that Clay was able to come back around, you know, because Clay's been through a lot. Let's be real. Over the last, you know, two, two and a half years, he's been through two injuries that would normally take anybody out for a career. And he's already on the upside coming back. And he's showing out in the finals once again. Now, people want to say that, you know, Clay is not the Clay of old, but nobody is going to be the same after, you know, an Achilles and an ACL injury. No, nobody's going to be the same after that. So the fact that he's even out here doing what he's doing is impressive in itself. And on, on, the, on the Draymond side of things, one, one more thing that I, that I wanted to point out, and we've kind of touched on it a little so far is to me, like I said, it's all mental there. And, and what I mean by that is with Draymond, we know Draymond's personality. He He's boisterous. He likes to talk. He likes to get in your head. He's going to push your buttons. But what I feel we saw a lot of tonight was not necessarily arguing or anything. It, it seemed like we saw a lot more of complaining From Draymond, and I think that was a sure sign that he's he's not mentally where he needs to be. Normally, Draymond is going to be the guy that's going to look at the ref and try to wonder what's going on and this and that. But uh, you talked about it earlier, Shane, where you said, you know, he's getting, you know, he's getting cooked here and there, getting attacked here and there. And at one point, I think it was in the third quarter, he gets attacked under the basket. And I think you actually pointed it out. The first thing that he did was turn and look at Andrew Wiggins as if Wiggs had did something wrong and it's little things like that where you can tell that Draymond isn't in his usual frame of mind because Draymond one thing that I will say about Draymond is as much as he does run his mouth Draymond has never been the type of person that's going to run away from accountability if he makes a mistake nine times out of ten he owns up to it and tonight I feel like we saw a very different Draymond especially in the second half
0: yeah for sure and, and I mean he. That on that particular play, I think he got he basically gotten too deep underneath the basket, and you know how it is. I mean, if you're under the basket and you're right under the rim, you know, if a guy goes up on the other end, it's like it's gonna be kind of hard for you to defend that. And I mean, he he went up vertical and contested the shot, but it, he was just right underneath the basket. I don't think Wiggins from the position he was in could have helped him. I don't know if Draymond maybe had a a lapse in in you know knowing where he was on the court in that given moment, but. Um, you know, another another thing in this game that I thought was was striking and it's, it's kind of a trend so far. Um, the team that has won the battle in the paint, both points in the paint, things like that, uh, and rebounds and that kind of thing. I mean, the, whoever has won the paint point battle has won a game in this series. And I mean, you, I mean, game one. It was Boston 34-26. Game two, it was Golden State 40 to 24. Game three, it was Boston 52-26. Then you look at tonight, it was Golden State 38 to 32. I mean, and then when you when you combine that with they out rebounded Boston 61 to 49, 16 of those on offense. I mean, when when Golden State, who people kind of look at as the finesse team, when they're when they're willing to get dirty and dig things out, I mean Steph Curry had had ten rebounds on his own. Uh, that's an underrated part of his game. I mean he's probably averaged five and a half six rebounds over the last few years anyway. And then Wiggins, who you know, given his athleticism, I mean you you think he'd he'd have sixteen rebounds more often, right? And I mean he comes out and has that impact. He was plus twenty in his minutes, and he has a double double. You don't get many double doubles from Andrew Wiggins. So um, I think if Golden State can continue to hold their own in the paint and not, and and that matchup between Kevon Looney and Robert Williams continues to be a push like it was tonight. Uh, I think more, more contributions in the paint or on the boards from guys like Wiggins, like Steph, I feel like that would be the key to, uh, Golden State finishing the series off and, and winning the series. And it also could be the key in Boston to be able to rebound from this loss that could have easily went their way uh, to, for them to, to make a push and possibly finish the series off. So I'm, I'm interested to see how the paint battle goes, um, you know, as the series goes here, and also, like, the shooting. You know, Boston didn't shoot well in the second half. I think they shot 35%. Uh, Golden State started poorly to start out I think they shot 40% in the first half and then that went up to 49 in the second so um, paint points rebounds things like that that's that's going to be key as we go forward here
1: yeah rebounds are huge Um, speaking on Steph again uh, throughout the series so far we're looking at just a shade over six per game from him so I mean let, letting letting Steph inside and I won't even say letting I mean that's just the dog in him I mean he, he's making things happen and another big thing to point out is the, those offensive rebounds I mean you cannot put a value on extra opportunity like in the in this game for example you know we were talking a few minutes ago about uh uh what would appear to be turnover issues but it's really not I mean the the teams were dead even on it tonight we we ended up 16 turnovers apiece And even in points off turnovers, uh, Boston was actually up in that 1917, but then it comes down to, you know, both teams are shooting fairly evenly throughout the game. But when we look at it at the end of the day, these rebounds are giving you those extra opportunities. Rebounds lead to longer possessions. Rebounds will tire the defense out if you keep giving up offensive boards. So, all of these things combined, you know, the, the fatigue from giving up extra possessions, you know, a shallow bench, and just just so many factors went into it. It's just Boston. Boston looks uncomfortable, but to be honest, the series for the most part has gone exactly how I thought it would. I mean, these even though it seems unevenly matched, depending on the night of the week that we're watching basketball. You you can't argue that these two teams are giving it their all, and at the end of the day, that's what we love to see. We want we want to see good hoops. We want to see good competition. We want to see good fight. So they they're giving us what we want. It's it's the NBA finals, and I mean, after four, we're tied. So I mean, this this is what basketball fans want to see. We don't want to see blowouts. We don't want to see sweeps, especially in the finals. So. These teams, even though it seems a little bit choppy, a little bit ugly here and there, they're giving us exactly what we want.
0: Yeah, definitely, and and I mean that—that's it's—it's two teams that have earned the right to be here, and they're—they're competing as hard as they can. I mean, it's not going to be easy. I mean, Golden State has had, you know, they had they lit, they were basically in the game game one for forty-two or forty-three minutes, and then Boston goes insane from three and then ends up outscoring them like 40 to 16 in the fourth. So, I mean, it's little things that could make a big, big difference. I mean, uh, I think for Boston, they just have to look at, okay, who are, who are heavy lifters and how can we make their job easier? I think with Tatum, it's being able to pick his spots and choose his shots better. Uh, I feel like, you know, when he, he had 13 assists one game, and when he's making like those decisions and making good decisions, and guys are making shots, it makes it easier for him. When he sh- when he's out there shooting eight for twenty three, you have to wonder. Okay, well, the it's stagnating. It's forcing him to go one on one, and that's not that's not been how he's been able to be at his best. I think they have to find a way to get him easier easier baskets, and he also has to do a better job of of seeing what the defense is giving him and being able to adjust accordingly. Uh, Jalen Brown is kind of going at whoever, um, he's been the one guy who was at, he had no problems getting his shot off against anybody. He's been able to be a three level guy, get to the rim, get in the mid range, even knock down a few threes and that kind of thing. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see how, how Boston kind of adjusts and how, how their offense goes as their best players go. Cause if, if Tatum's going to be shooting eight for 23 and then, you know, having six turnovers, you know, that's going to be kind of tough. He can keep his turnovers down and then guys also knock down those shots. I think, I think Boston, as we've seen even tonight, when they make shots and things like that, they're in good shape.
1: Yeah. And regardless, regardless of the final score it's really going to come down to again, those stars showing up in the moment. Um, Like I said, shallow benches, uh, we're, we're not really expecting much from the benches if we're honest. So anything that we get is just an added bonus. Uh, Something interesting that I saw earlier, I was I was just looking around, you know, snooping on some stuff online and I wanted to I wanted to throw some numbers at you just talking about, you know, like I said, the stars and what they're going to do and just how much of an impact that's going to have. So we know on the game tonight, Steph finishes with 43. He finishes with 43 shooting 14 to 26 from the floor. Now we know Steph is known to go off on games like this. I mean, it's not something that's a surprise to us, but what was so in, what was so interesting to me was if you look on the other side of the court, we look at, you know, the, the, what, what we argue is the the top two stars on the other team. And I don't think there's much of an argument there, but if we look at Tatum and Brown, they only combined for 42 shots on their own hitting only 17 and actually only finished with 44 together. So, again when you're getting these kind of numbers from a guy like Steph on his own then you're you're in trouble because Clay is bound to go off at any moment Jordan Poole has shown that he can be incredibly streaky and he can come in and really cause problems so it it's it so many things I feel are just leaning Golden State's way right now and I just think that so many things are just starting while it's impacting both of them. I feel like it's hurting Boston a little bit more. And when I say things like certain things, I mean, you know, just the fatigue of a long season, again, just that, that shallow bench depth and, and all of these things combined with the fact that Boston doesn't really have that go-to third guy that you know is going to give you the same thing every night. Game one, Horford was amazing. Marcus smart has had those glimpses where you know offensively he's been outstanding but again we don't go into every game expecting that from Marcus Smart so if it's there of course we love it but if it's not then where does Boston go and I think that's that's gonna be that that what what could possibly be the downfall for them is that there's just so much unpredictability on the Boston side of the ball
0: and I mean, you look at all these games and it's, you know, it's funny. You mentioned, you mentioned Steph. I mean, this was the first, this was his, you know, he had had in the games, he had 30 in this series, Golden State had lost. I mean, he goes for 43 and he finally gets that extra guy. He finally gets Jordan pool. He finally gets a little bit of clay in the second half, you know, and and he had Wiggins in, in spots where he was just all over the place with his activity. Like that's the difference between, you know, winning and losing. I mean, in those, in those games where he had 30, we were saying, Oh, they have a clay problem or who, whatever. When you, when you score 30 and you lose, obviously somebody's not, you know, stepping up the game that they had won before tonight, Steph was what nine for 21. It was his worst shooting game. And yet they won that game and, and won it convincingly. Uh, I think that's just the difference is, is they just have more guys that, can hurt you more guys that are proven that they can hurt you. And then they have enough wild card guys like, like the Kavon Looney's like the Jordan pools that can impact the game in ways that lead to winning. And, you know, we, we, we don't see that from Boston. Is it, is it Al Horford? Is it Marcus smart? Is it, you know, Grant Williams, who was a, you know, he was a stud in previous series. So it's like, there's more question marks on that Boston side, like you said, and, And so far, you know, Golden State is able to answer more questions with their personnel than Boston so far.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, uh, I I want to pose a quick question. I mean, we I I feel like we've definitely run through what you know what was important for tonight. Um, I want to quickly look at moving forward. So, we know Game Five is going to be on what Monday night. Um, uh, going. Back across, the, back across the land, back across the country. We'll be in Cali, you know, Monday night for game five. Uh, very big deal, game five, especially in a series uh, in in which the teams are tied to two. Um, I believe the stats right now sit around 82%. Uh, the winner of game five in a best of seven usually wins the series 82% of the time. So everybody talks about, you know, I feel like so many people are so quick to throw the whole must win thing out there, but... In my honest opinion, I will say this is a quote-unquote must win much more for Boston than it is for Golden State because they've shown us that they're able to play from behind. And when I say they, I mean the Warriors. Golden State has shown us that they're able to bounce back a lot easier than Boston. So I think that if Boston slips up in game five, I, I think there's a world of trouble on the horizon.
0: I agree. I agree. I think if you're Boston, you're thinking, OK. It's a must win game because we were up 3-1 or we could have went up 3-1 in game four. It was a game they could have had and they just kind of let it slip away. They had a bad second half. Uh, and then, you know, it's must win because, I mean, you, they've, they've proven that. And I think they should be confident in their ability to extend the series and, and kind of regain momentum because they've won there already. You know, they won Game One. It was like, whoa, hold on! Like they're 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 here to play, and so you know, I think that they they have confidence on their side. I think they they have guys that are hungry to play better. I mean, listening to Jason Tatum, you know, he was he was kind of you know they were asking him like, oh, like you guys not playing this way? He's like, well, we, you know, we're not playing badly on purpose. It's like you know they had opportunities, and a lot of times it's just okay. Well, we make a few more shots or we grab a few more rebounds, we get a few more stops and the game goes a different way. So I think it's must win for them. I agree. Uh, but with, with golden state, they have to make sure that they continue to press and, and, and put their foot on the gas and say, okay, we're looking to finish this. We're not trying to, we're not trying to play around it. They should go out with the, with the mindset that look, we're going, we're going to win on that home floor. And we're going to take a 3-2 lead, and then we're going to get ready to try and finish the series off in Boston. Boston should look at this and say, look, we've won there before. We know what it takes to win there. Let's get it back in our favor, and let's try to close this out on our home floor, you know, in in game six.
1: Yeah, so I'd... I want to throw out a couple of things here um, just while, while we're still on, you know, just golden state and their swing and and what they're possibly capable of uh, something else that was brought up on ESPN tonight that I want to point out. Uh, it, it was noted that between the, the trio of Steph clay and Draymond green, this was the 19th finals game that they've won together, which tied them with the big three from uh, San Antonio, Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, and Manu Ginobili as the most finals games won by a trio in the last 50 years in the association. So shout out to them. That is a tremendous, tremendous deal. Warrior fans should be proud. Um, It's definitely an accomplishment to see. And I mean, if you really think about it, who knows when we'll see it again.
0: Absolutely. I mean, it... And uh, that's, you know, we, we talk about dynasties and the Spurs is the, that's the, that's the mere definition of what a dynasty is. I mean, those dudes had, you know, they, they won championships and they, they were the standard for a long time. And I think San Antonio's kind of followed that, or Golden State has followed that kind of that model of, you know, we're building this team through the draft. Uh, they I mean, they've been to, what Dre, Steph and, and Clay. I mean, they've been together 10 years and they, they, they've planned for finals, you know, what, six appearances in the last eight years or something like that. So, um, you know, like incredible feat by them to be able to to put out the level of success and productivity that they've had and, and kind of wreak havoc on the league here. I mean, you talk about what just injuries, if not for Clay's injury, if not for KD. Who knows? They probably beat Toronto there. You know, last year was a washed year. So, I mean, who's to say if things don't go different, we're not looking at eight consecutive finals appearances, you know, and, and more titles to come. So um, that's a that's a huge stat. And and they should they should be super proud of that. I mean, and, and all these dudes are getting up in age. So we, we should just continue to just cherish it and, and enjoy it while it lasts
1: absolutely absolutely and and while while we're showering golden state with the praise i actually have one more little random thing i want to throw out there so we mentioned earlier on in the episode uh that that uh, andrew wiggins was so instrumental in the win tonight he stepped up huge you know 17 points 16 boards and it was briefly mentioned that andrew wiggins tonight became the first warrior since nate thurman in 1967 that's the 1967 nba finals against philly he is the first player in warrior history since 67 to put up those numbers in a game now i did a little bit of digging and i went and just i wanted to go see what kind of stuff nate gave the league in that series now take a listen to this shane he actually did that three times in a six game series that year now in in in, (laughs) (laughs) so in game one he lights Philly up for 24 points and 31 rebounds bro and it was in a loss it was in a loss so he does it again in game three he gives them 17 with 25 rebounds and then in game five he gives them 17 along with 28 boards now games three and five were both wins but it's it's so funny if you just think about How impressive that is! We're celebrating the 16 boards when Nate Thurman's totals eclipse that so easily, but I mean (laughs) it's 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 still so impressive nonetheless. So I mean, shout out to Andrew Wiggins. I mean, I feel like he's been through so much in his career. You know, it's one of those things where I feel like he's had such an unfair cloud hanging over his head that just came along with being a number one pick. I, I think that so many times when you are taken that highly that oftentimes you're not really given a chance to grow and become accustomed to what it is that you're doing so coming in you know as young as he did as highly like I said a number one draft pick I I feel like so many people in the media just in the NBA fan world weren't weren't willing to give him the time that he needed to grow and I think that being on this Warriors roster is working absolute wonders for him. And, and quite frankly, I'm a fan. I'm loving what I'm seeing from Andrew Wiggins.
0: Yeah. And, and with, with Andrew Wiggins, I mean, I I think, I don't know if necessarily the knock was uh, that he wasn't maybe, you know, playing up to standards, number one pick, but I mean, think about it. He was playing in basketball Siberia. I mean, he was playing with, with, you know, I mean, he had, he had what he had, Ricky Rubio and, He had a bunch of different guys there. And I mean, it wasn't a team that was, you know, a a contending team. It wasn't a team that was built to win. I mean, they've, they've gone through coaches. They've had all these changes. They had Rubio come back and then he was gone again. Um, So, I mean, it's, it, it, I think a lot of times it's not even where you were drafted. Sometimes it's just the situation. I mean, obviously most guys that are drafted with the number one pick, they're not walking into a contending situation, but I think with Wiggins, everybody knew he could score. Everybody knew that. Everybody knew he was athletic. I think him being on this Warriors roster just shows the improvements he can make given his physical tools. He doesn't have to be a 22, 24 point a game scorer every night for, for Golden State. He doesn't have to do that. But he can fill in where other guys are deficient. He can come in and be a better rebounder. They pushed him to be better on the defensive end. Uh, I think him, him showing that growth and, and that willingness to be at a higher level in other aspects and be a more complete player. I think that strengthens not only his, his worth to the Warriors roster, but I think it also uh, shows that say he moves on from golden state, he can take, all the experience he's had as like the third guy and, and, and this, this kind of challenge to be better in other areas, to be a more complete player, who knows, he could be a max guy somewhere else in a few years. If if Golden State say can't retain him. So, I mean, this, this playoffs, this year, him making the all-star team, like Andrew Wiggins is a real bona fide star in the NBA. And I think people need to understand that. Yes, he was the number one pick. He may not be Michael Jordan or Maple Jordan, as they called it. Like he may not be that guy, but he's still damn good. (laughs) You know, like, like let's not kid ourselves. Like him being on Golden State right now is just showing the type of player he can be in a situation that is conducive to winning and not just, you know, hunting stats and and trying to get the shine every night.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So. I have a couple of questions for you, Shane. I just want to throw them your way before we, you know, go ahead and say good night. Yeah, we're, we're, we're coming up on bedtime, or, or should I say, you know, we're a little bit past bedtime. But um, first thing that I want to hit you with is let, let's just go straight into game five. We're back in the Bay. You know, series is tied. We see the kind of game that Golden State's coming off of. We see the kind of game that Boston is coming off of. First question, who do you think wins game five and what is it going to take for that team to make that happen?
0: I think um, just based on tonight, uh, I think I'm gonna go with Golden State in, in game five. I think they had they lost this game. I think mentally it would have it would have been super damaging to them in their hopes because to go down 3-1 when everybody is looking at you like, hey, you're, you're the better team here. You're expected to win. And if they were to fall down 3-1, I mean, you're looking at a completely different thing. Now it's back even. And they have a chance to kind of right some wrongs from the games that they dropped earlier in the series. So I think Steph is going to continue to do his thing. He's been unbelievable. It's, it's, his, it's his finals MVP award to lose at this point. Um, I think given the contributions they got, they had been waiting for a Jordan pool game. They got a Wiggins game. They've been getting Kavon Looney games. And I think just having clay in that second half, start to knock it down. I think he went three for four in the fourth, like those, those type of things, I think you build momentum there. And I think that might be enough to carry them, but also, uh, I think it's important that they have to continue to hold their own in the paint and win that, Situation. I mean, we talked about it earlier in this pod, like the team that has won points in the paint has won every game in the series. Uh, Golden State also has they actually broke a trend that w- had been going on uh, so far in the series in terms of turnovers the team that had the fewest turnovers um, in, in games in this series had won. Tonight was the first game that Golden State actually had more turnovers but we're able to win the game. I think if they can continue to take care of the ball and also, you know, get good opportunities and dominate in the paint, I think that's what, that's what will end up carrying them to victory. And I think that that'll set them up to try and finish the series off at some point.
1: Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Uh, I think that at this point it's really golden state series to lose. I, I just feel like the ball is rolling now and it's, it, like I said before, it's, it's so much easier for Golden State to dig out of a hole. And I feel like Golden State is dangerous already when they're playing from behind. But now they don't even have to. So worst case scenario, this goes seven and they still have two more at home. They've already shown that they can win on the road. So I, I think this is going Golden State's way. I mean, you, you, you already know. I'll tell, I'll tell the, the listeners. I, as soon as the series was set up at the end of the conference finals, I immediately said golden state was going to take the trophy in six games. So I'm sticking to that. And if anything, I think it was game four tonight that helped to solidify my opinion on that. This is no knock against Boston at all. I just feel like, I, I just feel like golden state's gloves are moving a little bit quicker right now. And they're, they're just a little more prepared. They're a little deeper their stars to me are stronger. And again, the, the eventual finals MVP I'll second you on that. He showed us why tonight Uh, Steph Curry came to play. He, he, he showed us what the game was about. And I think that one, he's going to continue to play at that level. So the big thing is going to be who's going to keep playing at that level behind him. And I think that it's going to be a lot easier to see that from golden state side, than it will be from Boston. I just feel like game four is going to take a sad toll on Boston from a mental and moral standpoint. And again, it, it's no knock on Boston. I mean, they they have a very young core. This is their first time being here. None of these guys have any experience playing in the finals, you know, up until last week. So I, I think that their window is still open. Unfortunately, I don't think, that they're walking through or climbing through that window rather this season. But I mean, I do feel like there's plenty of time for them to build on what they have. And I'm pretty sure that the league will see Boston at the top of the Eastern conference for quite some time.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, And, you know, it's, it's the same, it's the same situation just when you looked at the Western conference, uh, Western conference finals you know, nobody saw Dallas's whole thing was, okay, let's just win a playoff series. They hadn't, they hadn't gotten out of the first round since Luca had been there, but he, but he's led them to the playoffs. So anything you can accomplish past that, you know, it's kind of house money. It's like, you're not really supposed to be, here. I don't think anybody had Boston in the finals when all this started, you know, they didn't look like a championship team for much of the year, but they've been peaking at the right time. I think given what we said about golden state, just to, just to kind of, give it a little more even-handed with Boston. Uh, We talked about it during the game earlier. I think Boston's ability defensively to handle the flurries that Golden State throws, where when Curry's going off for a bunch of points early or he has a good quarter or other guys start going off, their ability to stay connected, I think should give them confidence. I think they've, they've kind of taken Golden State's best shot. And I mean, for the most part, there's only been one game where Boston couldn't really keep up. I thought things just kind of got away from them in this game tonight, just because they, you know, they just didn't shoot at the same clip and they just, they just kind of wore down. I just think they, if they can understand, okay, we've won it, we've won in San Francisco, we can handle their flurries and we can stay connected. If we can just make them work a little harder and we get some stuff to go our way, suddenly you're looking at Boston, you know, looking very good at chances to win a game, I think they should, they should feel they they're probably a little bit deflated, a little bit tired after losing tonight. Cause they could have went up three, one and really like put the odds more in their favor, but you know, there's still more basketball to be played. I think if they understand, Hey, we can, we can take their best shot and hang in that, you know, they, they still have a good chance to win. And and I think that's what makes this series so compelling and what's made it so entertaining is that it is, its mm-hmm. In years past, Golden State gets those spurts and then they blow you out this one it's like they just kind of they kind of pulled away toward the end and got hot in the second half I think uh i'm I'm really really excited to see like how Boston responds now
1: yeah totally agree totally agree I- I'm already a little annoyed that we have to wait until monday but that that's that's a that's an entirely different story there but on the bright side um We might have to wait for the NBA Finals to continue on Monday, but if you guys caught up on episode one, you already know that we have plenty of fun that we're going to be getting into, I can't even say tomorrow, at this point, later today. So uh, just as a quick reminder, uh, we are currently in Knoxville, Tennessee. We are about 15, 20 minutes away from the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame and their annual enshrinement ceremony will be taking place tomorrow evening at six o'clock. Now, both Shane and I have tickets to the event and these tickets um, also include pretty much an entire day's worth of events. Um, We'll be going to an autograph signing at 11 o'clock tomorrow morning. We'll be going to a meet and greet at four. We'll be attending the enshrinement ceremony at six. And there will also be another uh, meet and greet and celebration after the ceremony concludes at around eight o'clock tomorrow slash tonight, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Either way, uh, our next episode is going to be heavily based in that. We might throw a few more little gems at you guys along the way, but it's all about the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame on episode three. So we want to make sure you guys please stay tuned. Um, again, if you want to check us out, you, you already know, you can find us on Spotify. You can find us on Anchor. We're posting links to both of those on all of our outlets. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram. Uh, if you guys want to follow us, you can follow us at the JWJ Podcast. And if you would like to follow us individually, you can follow Shane at It's a Thomas thing. And you can follow me. The name has switched up just a little bit from the first episode because I wanted to make sure that both of mine were identical to make it easier for the follow. So if you want to follow me on, you know, social media, on Twitter, on Instagram, you can find me at TitletownsMayor. That's T-I-T-L-E. T-O-W-N-Z-M-A-Y-O-R. Again, I'm Titled Towns Mayor and Shane is at It's A Thomas Thing. So make sure you guys go and hit those follow buttons. We are already grateful and thankful for any follows that we get. And we just hope and pray that we can keep you guys entertained enough to stick around for the long run. So that's all I've got here. Um, Shane, you wanna say
0: anything before uh, before we head out? Like we said in the in the first episode, if you guys have made it this far, thank you so much for your support. Thank you for listening. And uh, we look forward to keeping more things fresh and talking about more, more hoops and uh, keeping you guys entertained. So thanks again for your support. Thank you guys for listening to the JWJ podcast.
1: All right, world. Thanks a lot. We love you. Take it easy and make sure you tune in because we will be back.
0: Thank you for listening to JWJ. W